Hey, St. John. Welcome to the Post-Sermon Podcast. I am Deaconess Dahlia, and with me today is Pastor Adam. Hey, Deaconess. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing great. So today we will be discussing actually two sermons, but the we're going to start with our Friday sermon, which was uh, we were celebrating Epiphany, and this is only the second time we've had an Epiphany service on January 6th, Yeah, on correct? Epiphany itself. Yeah, so it's kind of a cool new tradition that we've started at St. John. And can I ask you why you decided to start this, having a service on the actual Epiphany Day? This time of the church year is full of a lot of stuff. Right? So you have Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and then Epiphany has been a, a rather important festival. It kind of brings the Christmas season to a close, but there's also a big day of the baptism of our Lord. And some churches will just observe them on Sundays or kind of do like a kind of a have thing and do some of each or just ignore one or the other. And Epiphany is always January 6th. So why not just try to have a service on a non-Sunday occasion? Yeah, I like that. So you can actually just focus on Epiphany, but then on Sunday we can just focus on baptism of our Lord. Right. And so in a couple of years when Epiphany does fall on a Sunday, we'll observe it on Sunday. And then the following Sunday would be the baptism of our Lord. So that's where it all works out smoothly. Very good. So let's talk about your sermon from Epiphany. What was the text that you preached on? Uh, the gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 2. It's the first 12 verses, and so that's when the Magi come from the east. They go to Jerusalem and talk to Herod. Herod is very distressed by the word of a new king, and he deceives the Magi to report the location of Jesus back to Herod. The Magi go and visit Jesus at the house with his mother Mary, and they present the gifts. So what does epiphany mean? Uh, epiphany refers to uh, the revealing uh, or making known. And so uh, Christ is born at Christmas. And then the season to follow is to learn more and more, well, who is this Jesus? And interestingly, you have magi, uh, these, what, magicians, sorcerers. We don't know if they're kings or not. but They're not Jews, right? Right. And they're the ones who come to acknowledge this Jesus as the king. Why are they so interested in finding this star? Uh, it, I, I'm trying to think. Um, I think the word comes up in Daniel, maybe in Exodus, but you kind of get, you know, astrologers or stargazers or magicians. These are some of the connotations of source associated with uh, magi. And it's fascinating to see that these unbelievers, or maybe we should say these Gentiles, they get what's going on, that the king of the world has arrived, and the people who should be looking for this king, the people who have the scriptures in hand that the Christ to be born in Don't Bethlehem, recognize it was they, them. They don't either. And so it's a huge theme in Matthew's gospel that uh, God's ways are not our ways. So what is the central teaching of your sermon? I want to deal with the idea that Jesus, uh, he rules and reigns as king. We hear in the Christmas story that he is the king of kings, and right away, Matthew is presenting that to us of you have the wicked king Herod and you have the infant king Christ and the Magi are seeking the Christ and not Herod to his great dismay. So a big part of your sermon is you say the Christian faith is politics. Can you explain what that means? The gospel is absolutely political. And what I mean by that is the incarnation of Christ ripples throughout all the world in every aspect of the world. And if we say Jesus is the king of kings, 
he is the king of all kings. And the world of politics is a world of power. It is a world of striving for authority and who gets to say and do whatever. And Jesus has come onto the scene and says, my ways, not your ways. And we are presented with that again and again throughout Matthew. And then even today, what is the challenge of being a Christian is, is it the Lord's way or is it not? So what is the problem that you're seeking to identify in the sermon? At least for the uh, the hearers in that moment, I was building towards um, the throne of our hearts. That at the end of the day, we don't like uh, being told what to do or what to say or how to carry ourselves because of our sin and, and our rebellion against God. But it really is King Jesus' way. And so the... Um, the throne of our hearts is being fought over. And does Christ belong there or does he not? So then what does it mean for Jesus to be our king? Yeah, I think this jumps right to just a first commandment kind of question. Uh, what does it mean to have a God? Uh, what, what, how's, how's Luther say it in the catechism? Is It's the one from whom we should expect. All good things. All good things, yeah. We are his subjects. We were created by God. And going back to the fall into sin, our rebellion against God was exactly that, a rebellion, uh, a usurping of power. You know, Adam and Eve, you will be like God. And Christ has come to put things back in their place and back in their order. And that even includes us in our hearts, too. Well, thank you, Pastor, for uh, the Epiphany sermon. We also have Vicar Allen here. And we're going to talk about Sunday's sermon. Can you tell us what the text was that you preached on? So the text that I preached on was on Matthew 3, the baptism of our Lord. And um, it's always fun to see this text um, because we're we're beginning with Jesus' ministry, his journey. Um, and so I wanted to just uh, talk more about that, talk more about Jesus' baptism and uh, kind of the different ways that we talk about baptism. I love how you started off the sermon. You'd seen this. Um, you, you're visiting a shut-in, and you went into like a gas station. Was that right? And you saw you're washing your hands, and you saw the sign about Jesus and germs. Is this right? Yeah, so I just <laughs> stopped at a gas station, and I just wanted to use the restroom, uh, get something to eat. And as, as soon as I was going towards the restroom, there's a sign up. Mm-hmm. And the sign said, wash your hands and say your prayers because Jesus and germs are everywhere and uh, I just laughed when I saw that and it, you knew right away that this is what you're gonna have in a sermon <laughs> no <laughs> no I but I was you know it stuck with you yeah it stuck with me and I was like I'm gonna use this one day at a sermon and I finally got to yeah and did you think of the connection of baptism right away when you like heard this or read the sign I mean not right away but it's it started clicking with me uh just like washing your hands and uh praying and and just thinking about uh, germs and sin and um, kind of this relationship uh, that we have with germs, um, uh, especially we have that experience for the past uh, two years and uh, with many of those things. And But then there's also baptism and how we think of sin and how baptism washes us and cleanses us. And you had three main points about baptism. Just briefly summarize like what those three points were. Those three things came from just a general question 
that I had, uh, which was, is one baptism enough? And I just wanted to think of different ways that we, whenever that question comes up, what are the different approaches to that? So the first point that I made was, uh, what if a person leaves and comes back? Um, Do they need to get baptized again? Um, And then the second point was, um, about our feelings and emotions, uh, you know, sometimes we, we don't feel it. Um, you know, there's, there's this heavy guilt and weight over us and, uh, we just don't always feel that we have been forgiven and, um, just kind of struggling with that. And then the third point was, um, the fight against sin. And so, uh, just trying to bring in the gospel text and talking about this, these dual realities that we live and just tying all of that up. Um, just the life of a Christian, how does that look like, and how uh, baptism is the the center of it. Yeah, something I really liked to go off of your second point about just like our baptism will override um, any feelings that we have, that that stands first before our feelings. Um, but you would, I think you said Luther had said this, um, but how sacramentally we've been made pure and guiltless. Uh, and I, I thought that was a really good way of just saying it to, to help us not just be so focused on how we're feeling, which can be pretty like strong emotions, um, but to once again have us turn to, to the sacraments where we, we have that promise that, that Jesus is there. And then something else you had said, I believe it was in your second point, was just how our baptism is renewed at church. And is that also going back to, are you trying to bring in communion there that we're or what do you mean by saying that, like, baptism, our baptisms being? Yeah, a couple of the examples that I gave was um, the way we pray. Um, when we come to church, when we come to our Father's house, uh, we pray. We take part in the divine service um, where God is serving us. And then I wanted to bring in the confession of faith. So this is not only yourself, but you have a, a body of uh, believers right next to you. Um, confessing what God has confessed to us. And, and it is a reminder, reminder that they also have been baptized. So you're not alone. You're not alone in that, in that feeling and that emotion. So then going to your third point, you mentioned from um, Jesus' baptism to the Great Commission, you called that like the middle, um, which I thought was a really interesting way of, of saying, and you mentioned how Jesus entered a dual reality. Uh, can you explain like what that is exactly? Yeah. So I was, as I was preparing for the sermon, I was speaking to pastor about it and we were thinking, you know, from John's baptism, uh, which, uh, Jesus was a part of to the great commission where Jesus tells us about our baptism, there's a middle part. And that's where we get to see the dual reality that even though baptism happened, Jesus still suffered. He still suffered, uh, being sinless. He still suffered the sin of the world. And so uh, I wanted to tie that up with, with us uh, as we are living as sinners and saints, baptized saints. Um, that doesn't mean the suffering is going to go away. That sin um, is going to go away. Um, we're still going to wrestle and fight with sin. And that's kind of what Luther is bringing in, that we fight with sin each and every day. But in the midst of that fight, we're not alone because we're baptized. God's presence is with us. You you mentioned he's allied with us, right? Fighting against sin. Yeah, that was Luther. Luther said that he uh, allies with us in baptism. 
and he becomes one with us in a gracious covenant. That yeah, promise. There's, I mean, so much comfort in that. And it, it reminded me of Hebrews 4, um, where it talks about how Jesus has been tempted in every way like us. And kind of just, I don't know if that's kind of where you're going with that, just that he, he's been put on this earth, entered this, I mean, he's sinless, of course, but still has entered this, this sinful world to redeem it and is, is suffering, is being tempted like us. There's yeah, there's a, there's a great comfort knowing that our God experienced what we feel. He experienced all of it. And when we say that God has allied himself with us, that's even, uh, that gives us even more comfort because we have a God who knows and feels and understands that he's, he's been a part of it. Uh, but also, we also know that he's almighty God. He has won the fight against it. He is resurrected. And he gives us the promise of that. And, and so there's, there's great beauty in knowing, there's great comfort in knowing that we have a God uh, that is with us um, and who understands that. Because he's, he's lived that dual reality, the same one that we live. Yeah, that does kind of bring up the question, though, like how, and this was, here's submitted question, but how can Jesus be tempted in every way like us and yet be without sin? Because I think sometimes when we are suffering and going through things, um, entering these temptations, how do we not see our sin and just see how? It's just so, I mean, we're sinners, right? So we see it connected to, in our thoughts, in our words and deeds. And yet, Jesus, you know, he suffered too, like us. He was tempted like us, but was without sin. So how's that, how is that possible, I guess, is what I'm asking. That goes right into the incarnation. You know, how can God become man, right? He's 100% God and 100% man. And being sinless, he's still experiencing the sin of man. He's taking that on so that he can free us from this. Um, you know, give us more than this. And that's the, the beauty of our God, that he left his throne. He left his throne to be here with us, uh, to become one with us, um, becoming that new Adam, you know, firstborn from the dead. And since he is without sin in God, when he created man, he created man without sin in that way, like he's more human than than we are because we're not you know the sin wasn't from God in the beginning too um so I guess it's just maybe hard for us to imagine exactly what that's like <laughs> to be be without sin and and be tempted but to see that like you said this is this is what, what happened to Jesus it, when Jesus when Christ became man through through the incarnation that this is his reality for us going back to that comfort you had mentioned Baptism is that first glimpse, right, of seeing the fullness, um, you know, the fullness to come. You know, it's those touchdown, uh, you know, those sacramental moments where God is touching down and he's doing uh, what it says in our text, uh, fulfilling all righteousness. He's showing us what righteousness looks like. What does it look like being uh, a child of God, living that life of faith? Yeah, and... When you had finished saying that third point of yours about Jesus entering that dual reality, you then kind of went from talking about this duality to this one promise, this one resurrection, and kind of bringing, if you will, just this wholeness 
to us in the midst of that sinner saint, right? This sinful tension that we're always feeling, but we're now, we've been made whole in our baptism. There is one resurrection. This is, does that make sense what I'm trying to say? Yeah, that's what I was trying to do. I just wanted to bring in that, that one birth, one death, one resurrection, and one promise, uh, you know, and just bring that and tying that in with answering what the qu- original yeah, question was. I was about to was. say, it kind of goes back to the beginning. Yeah. Right, it, one baptism is enough because it was enough for our Lord. I have another, here's some other question. Why, if we are baptized, do we call ourselves poor, miserable sinners? And second question with that one, why doesn't God wash us daily? So this goes into the third point of my sermon about the the sinner and saint. Um, And using Luther's words about how we fight against sin daily, uh, that is is facing the, the dual reality, that we have been baptized and the fight against sin continues until the day where Christ returns. Um, that fight, Luther goes into uh, speaking more about this, that we are fighting sin uh, until the day we die. But we know that there's a day that's going to come where Christ is going to make all of that go away. There's no more uh, fighting that's going to happen against sin. Um, and so until that point, uh, we still fight against sin, and that's why we confess that. We confess that before God, that we are fighting against sin, and he's the one that promises that he's going to forgive and remember our baptism and cleanse us uh, from all unrighteousness. It does. It's not like it just ends at poor, miserable sinner. He forgives, cleanses us from all unrighteousness, and then uh, going back to the text shows us the righteousness uh, the promise of opening the heavens for us, and just the beauty of uh, doing this, living this life of confession, of uh, receiving that grace uh, and that promise uh, restored and renewed from our baptism. Yeah, I think a couple of places in Scripture that'd be good are Galatians chapter five, when you get the uh, kind of the war between the natures and living according to the flesh or living according to the spirit. You get the fruits of the spirit. And then getting to baptism would be uh, Romans 6, where Paul talks about baptism. We died with Christ, and now we live with him. And then he goes on to a whole discussion of not engaging in the works of the flesh. One other thing I thought of, uh, Deaconess, with that question is the placement of the words poor, miserable sinners. You know, wh- when do we hear that on Sunday? In the confession? Yeah, yeah. And, and right after we hear the invocation. Oh, the invocation. Oh, sure. Yeah, we hear the words of our baptism once again, so while we are, yes, poor, miserable sinners for now, our identity as Christian, our identity as saint, our identity as one who's been washed, that comes first in the service. And it is certainly this sinner-saint reality until Christ returns. Uh, but we, we address the congregation first according to their baptism, and then we deal with, you know, and then we deal with our sin. And thankfully... Uh, God absolves every time. So let's uh, focus on the second part of the question, uh, which was, why doesn't God wash us daily? And so reading this question, um, it, it kind of uh, goes into the original question that I had in the sermon was, is one baptism enough? Is one washing enough? And for us, it's difficult for us to understand um, 
how does this rewashing happen by God? How does he wash away our sins daily? Um, because we actually get to see it in baptism. Uh, when a child is brought to a baptismal font, we know that the, uh, the original sin has been drowned out, has been blotted out. And but so, we also don't do that, you know, every day for the same child. Right. Right. So maybe it can kind of seem a little and, and that's confusing. One of the that's one of the challenges that I wanted to bring up uh, in the second point, which was our emotions and our feelings. You know, sometimes we don't feel it. Sometimes uh, uh, we don't we don't know um, how it looks like or what it feels like uh, to be baptized and to and to see that. Um, but whenever we do see a baptism happen at church, that is a great moment and a reminder for everyone who is witnessing there uh, to remember their own. That just as that child has been baptized and washed and cleansed completely, that is a moment for us to remember ours. And so we get to kind of re-see and relive our own baptism through witnessing um, a new uh, member, family member added into the family of God. And like you mentioned in the sermon, our baptism is being renewed too, right? So through daily repentance, like you said, we we remember God's promises uh, that's given to us through our through our baptism. Right, and uh, and doing that with community. Yes, right? yeah. Doing that with other baptized believers right next to you in the pews. That is um, that is just a great opportunity to know that you are not alone in this, and that um, they also with you. Um, their baptism and their faith is renewed. Um, so it's this whole community, this whole family of believers. And that's why um, saying that you have become a child of God, we know that we are part of this great family um, that God has, has made through baptism. Exactly. I love that. And just a great reminder that, yes, we were baptized on a particular date, um, but we, we can also say confidently we are baptized that that's our new identity we've been clothed in Christ's righteousness um and that's that's the that's now right the here and now which is of great comfort well very good this wraps up the episode for today thank you for listening to today's discussion of two sermons um in case you missed the sermon from epiphany or the sermon on sunday um, or you'd like to just listen to it again, the link to the sermons in the show notes, and you can also find both of them on our church website, stjohndublin.org. If you, the listener, would like to submit a question about a sermon, please email us at podcast at stjohndublin.org. Thank you, Pastor and Vicar, for joining me and for feeding us the word this week. Thanks, Nicholas. Thank you. All right. Bye, you guys.